Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I am back again this week with Bersaba and James Arthur Ray. And this week we're going to take on how to take back your life. Uh, but before I go into that, I would like to introduce you to your own self a little bit more closely. Oftentimes we have gifts that we take for granted that we don't even realize are there because, well, it's just the air that we breathe and the water that we swim in. And so I created this quiz for my clients and my listeners. It is called the Superpower Quiz, and you can find that at superpowerquiz.us. It takes two minutes to get a closer knowledge of the giftedness that you brought with you into this life that will be part of fulfilling your life purpose. You can go take that at superpowerquiz.us. And with that out of the way, I would like to reintroduce you to Bersaba Ray. She was born in Iran in 1981 during the Iran-Iraq War. And growing up, her childhood disappeared into a cloud of death, violence, and instability. She experienced many traumatic events, such as the witnessing of the military force take her parents when she was only four years old. Her family escaped to Pakistan when she was seven and eventually smuggled themselves to the United States. She faced many challenges growing up, such as not speaking English, falling into gang behavior and drug culture. Ursaba was also in abusive relationships for years before finding the self-confidence and courage to leave. In 2013, she met James Arthur Ray and helped him rebuild his life after he lost everything. As an intuitive consultant, Ursaba helps people heal from their past and take their power back. And as a reminder, James Arthur Ray is a New York Times bestselling author, philosopher, and consultant who has worked with over a million people from 146 countries through his coaching and leadership programs. He's the author of six books, including the New York Times bestseller, Harmonic Wealth, and he's appeared on numerous TV shows, including Oprah, Larry King, and The Today Show. In 2009, he lost everything after a tragic accident and became homeless with about $20 million in debt. He has since rebuilt his life using the same strategies he teaches his clients. His story is told in the CNN documentary, Enlighten Us. Ray is on a mission to positively impact a million, a minimum of a billion lives and businesses worldwide. <laughs> thank you all for rejoining me this week. I'm so looking forward to our conversation. Oh, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us again. It's yes. good to be here. Yes, yeah, good to be back. Absolutely. Well, last week we focused on James's story. This week I'd like to understand, Bersava, what your backstory is. What was life like when you were coming up as a child? Uh, I know a lot of times when we go through extreme struggles, it either brings us closer to the divine or separates us from the divine. <laughs> what was what was your coming up like? Well, um, one of my first childhood memories is imagine, you know, having bombs being dropped in your neighborhood and I, there was a time well this was something that occurred every night so at night when you go to bed it would start bombs would start dropping or you would hear missiles uh, gunshots at at night 
And there, there is no way you could take cover. So there's no going underground or in your homes anyway. So what would happen is everyone would turn the lights on, uh, off at night, so that when the uh, airplanes are going over the towns, wherever they see that there was light on, they would drop the bombs on. Yeah. So it was you, it was like, you know, hit and miss. So you're laying down in bed and you're praying, well, I hope I hope it doesn't hit us type of a Yeah, I hope everybody else turned off their lights too. Yes. Right. Yes, of course. And one time it actually happened to drop, I would say, 100 meters from our house. I think that's about 100 yards if I'm not correct. Yeah, and, give or take a few feet. Yeah, <laughs> give or take a, free, uh, a few feet. And that sound, I mean, that is the most uh, horrific, uh, traumatic sound you can hear. And uh, and visceral, right? It's not just a sound, but it's like through your entire system. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, you can't, I can't uh, say that it uh, compares to anything I've ever felt. If you've ever been under, um, uh, uh, what are they called? The jets that fly over here, like when yeah. jet shows, imagine the jet flying, but that sound gets louder and louder and louder until it hits. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I can't, I can't describe it. <laughs> you, if you ever experience something like that, it's super traumatic. And um, I remember that night because it was uh, so loud and it, it shook. I mean, it was, it was horrific. Afterwards, you know, we ran, ran to our parents. I ran to my dad. And I guess um, I was telling him, I want to go see what happened. Take me, show me what happened. I want to know what that sound was. So he took me down and it was, it, it was down the street from us. We a few house, a few blocks down, not very far. And the, I mean, the mess that it left and the, the things that you would see, you know, with uh, the homes that were blown up and the people, it's, um, this was something I could say for me was a normal, it was a norm. Right. Things like this to experience something this traumatic. I mean, it was, it was a norm from where I, where I was born because I was born in, a time where the uh, Islamic Republic took over Iran, mm -hmm. the so-called revolution, which it wasn't. It was a backwards. <laughs> it wasn't a revolution. Um, so, yeah, those and for I know for James, when I told him, he was kind of like shocked and surprised. But see where I come from and the time period of what everyone's gone through then and my bringing up, it was kind of like, whoa, it's, it's normal. You know, it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was not out of the ordinary. Um, right. Which is a hard thing to imagine when you've lived in the first world and you haven't had exposure to that. My my first exposure to the realities of of warfare came through my husband, who was raised uh, at least the first eight years or so of his life in El Salvador during that conflict. And uh, they inadvertently became refugees. They went on vacation to see his in-laws in Mexico. Um, and <laughs> I got a call from his dad saying, don't come home. Oh. It's gotten so bad. And they found people dead in the courtyard of their house. Oh, it's like, wow. yeah, don't come home. Yeah. And 
it's it's hard to imagine if you haven't been through it. Oh, for sure. For sure. I know that our place in Iran, given because of how it was taken over and it called the regime, the Islamic Republic taken over, what had happened was that they they gave a hard time to the Christians, to the Jewish people, and to the Baha'is. And I was raised in the Baha'i uh, tradition, religion. And they, I mean, they raped the women. They threw the men in prison. And if you get thrown in prison there, you don't know if you're coming out. It was pretty much you're done for. Um, you couldn't, you can't get a education there if you're of those three religions. Yeah. Um, you can't own a business, so you really don't have a life. And I remember right when they took over, they said that very same day that they took over, they said all the women from this day forth have to cover their hair. Before yeah. that, they didn't have to do that. And my father got uh, thrown in prison uh, a couple times, not just once, but twice. The first time uh, they came, the military came, knocked down the door, and just took him. And he was hold he happened to be holding me. And, you know, they just ripped him out of uh or ripped me out of his arms and took him away. And at then, you know, it was like, well, okay, I guess well dad's never come back. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. You you don't know. And it's how do how do you move forward with this uncertainty? Right. <laughs> You know, you there's a part of you that that deeply hopes that he's going to return, yeah. And yet, there's this despair that he won't. Right. And the first time he got thrown in prison, uh, luckily he made it out after I believe it was a year and uh, six months or so. So then, when he got out, um, well, I think it was the first time that he went to prison. Yeah, that my. Mm, no, it was the second time. So the second time was that my they sat down and talked to each other, my parents, and they said, you know what, we can't have a life here, neither not for us nor for our kids. Yeah. Let's move to the States. We can we can, you know, find ways and we could go there. So my father said, Why don't I go first? And I could establish a life there and then I could bring you guys over. So when he did try to go do that he got caught mm. he got caught and then they threw him in prison and again so <laughs> then i remember my mom and god love her she went to visit him in prison and it's and it's no place you know women there it's unsafe it's, it's dangerous yeah it's very dangerous, especially when you don't have your husband around, you don't have a man around. It's it's quite hard to get by as it is with two kids and he's been thrown in prison. And when he came there, what the prison guards would make you do is they had, uh, uh, first of all, they would blindfold you before they would take you to where he is. Yeah. On the ground, they had put uh, pictures of the prophets or sayings of... Whoever it is you believe in that they don't agree with, for you to step on them mm. as you're walking to go see uh, your loved ones. Yes. So my mom, she was walking on this, and one of the guards happened to make a remark to her of saying, um, where is your 
where's your God now? Or where's your prophet now? Why isn't he saving you? And being who she is, because she's a, she's a <laughs> strong woman, um, and she spit in his face. Well, you know, I right or wrong it was, they ended up um, uh, raping her. Yes, for the defiance. It was yeah. an excuse. They probably would have anyway. Right. They took her back. It wasn't one guy. It was a couple of guys. And, you know, and then, and here's, here's the, even the more craziest part. If a woman cult, I guess that culture, okay. If a woman there gets raped, a husband finds out, then the husband says, oh, well, now you're ruined. Yes. A ruined woman. I can't be with you anymore. Mm. How, how insane is that? To me, it's absolutely insane. And luckily, my father is not that type of a person. So that, you know, had its effects on us and my father and, you know. So then after he gets out of uh, prison, then they decide that we all go together as a family one more time. Yeah, exactly. If, if we're going to wipe out, we're going to wipe out together. Sure. So then what we had to do was we sold everything, you know, and then we found some people. You had to find people that would basically smuggle you out of the country. Yeah. And we found some people and we paid them and we don't know, you know, these people. Are, yeah, you don't know if you're they're on the level or if they're, they're there to take your money. Right. Or there's a lot of human trafficking that goes on as well in those things, especially when you got three little kids with you. One was six months old. The other was 10 and one, the other uh, was seven. I was seven. So then, so we leave and we, uh, we have to, this guy takes us in a truck and it's a few stops you have to make. And I remember going through the desert and it was middle of the night, pitch black. He has to turn his lights off and he's going to full speed. And um, so you, you can't see where you're going. And these guys have done it so many times. They could basically do it with their eyes closed, I guess. Yeah, well, clearly because they're driving in the dark. <laughs> right. And um, I remember... Uh, looking down and we we're passing this uh, we're going we slowed down a bit and we we're going slower and slower and slower and I looked uh, because we we're in back of a pickup truck and I look over and I see this white line that we're passing by and that told me oh we passed the border <laughs> mm -hmm. so that was a moment of relief yeah exactly <laughs> So as we went, um, after we got past that, then we came across, then we had to switch uh, trucks, cars, get into another car to take us to our next destination. Now, mind you, there's no food, there's no water, there's none of that. Yeah. And the second guy, I believe he was the second guy, um, that was supposed to take us to our location, this guy took us for a rendezvous in the desert. Mm. Now, he had other plans, mind you. <laughs> Um, because there was, uh, my mother was sitting in the front and my father was sitting in the back and, uh, my brother was sitting next to her and they were dehydrated and kind of getting delusional. Yeah. So, and I was sitting with my father and then the guy in the front that was driving us, I, he had, a, he started doing things like 
with my mom and my mom kind of said, stop the truck. I'm getting in the back. So my father comes forward and he was driving around to, to get us to a point where we pass out or something or that he was right. Gonna do something. It was, it was pretty um, scarce and dangerous. I mean, we, we don't know what with a six month old child. I mean, you hear horror stories of um, human trafficking, especially with kids, little kids. Yeah. 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 And luckily, we've uh, a Turkish because we're still in in the Turkish area. A police officer found us. Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> he found us, and then he was asking questions. And I remember, I will never forget this man's face. I was standing there just staring at him. And first of all, he had water, and we were dying. Oh of hallelujah! Yes, <laughs> give me the water. <laughs> And he was, and, and I remember he looked down at me and I guess I was just kind of with this look of help, help me, help us or something. And he decided to escort us to our next uh, destination and we got there safe. Oh, thank you. So I want to dig into what you see as the spiritual side of this journey, but we are up on our first break already. <laughs> So I'd like to invite you, dear listener, who's joined us today, grab your pen, grab your piece of paper, and think a little bit about some of the most difficult moments that you have passed through in your life, the moments when you thought it was all done. Um, spend some time with those and spend some time with what was the grace that showed up for you? What was the moment where it changed and you did not end up dying in oblivion or, or whatever the horrible thing that it looked like was coming at you was? And uh, hang with us. We'll be right back from the break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. In a Realm is a free monthly holistic health magazine that promotes total health and wellness of body, mind, and spirit. We're a much-loved community resource for both alternative and traditional healing. We're in our 24th year of educating our readers about innovative therapies aimed at stress reduction, emotional healing, diet modification, energy healing, body movement therapies like yoga and tai chi, and so much more. Restore your soul, find your balance, and elevate your life with Inner Realm. Find us at innerrealmmagazine.com. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to tellzofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A.com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's tellzofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. 
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renee Morales. I am still here with the amazing, wonderful Bursava and James Arthur Ray. Uh, before we went to break, Bursava was telling us about her family escaping uh, yeah. into Pakistan, Turkey. <laughs> um, so before break, you had the guy who had, what I want to say, ill intent, had been stopped by the Turkish police. and the police officer decided to escort you guys to your next stage in this journey. I assume we're not all in the free and clear quite yet. (laughs) (laughs) Almost not yet. (laughs) Um, So from there, let's see, we got to our destination. And I remember uh, when we went inside this home, these people that were supposed to take us to our next place, there was this, uh, they gave us uh, a bowl of water. Now this is in a metal bowl. Mm-hmm. This water was cold and it was the best water I've ever had in my life. Till this day, I remember that how good that water was. Because <laughs> we were we had nothing. And it was just, it was amazing. It was like the best thing ever. From there, they we got we got uh what is it called? Amnesty when you yes. ready. When, when you're given shelter, yes. Yes. So we got that from the Turkish government, and then from there we went on the flight to go to Pakistan. Um now on the flight there they do uh they could be because we had to go back over Iran to mm-hmm. pass over to go to Pakistan. And I remember when we were going, my parents were super nervous. Yeah. Thought, you know, they can't pull us back down, can they? Yeah. Can they force us down? Hopefully they don't shoot at us. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of stuff would run through your mind. Oh, for sure. And then we made it to Pakistan. So in Pakistan, uh, we, we had to stay there for two years because we had to get our visas and then be able to come to the U.S. And that was a whole... Adventure by itself. <laughs> yeah, what was that like? Are are we talking about staying with people in their homes? Are we talking about more like a refugee camp? What's what was that circumstance? Yeah, it was more like a refugee camp, where all the uh, for us, I believe, because we were Baha'is, but I think there was Christians there too, that we were being kind of housed within one building. So you have like a room. And there was five of us in one room and, you know, the living conditions there, there's no AC and the weather is hot. It is way hot. I think at least 100 degrees, more than 100 degrees. I remember at night it would get so hot. This is how we cool ourselves. We go on on top of the roof to sleep and we we would uh, wet our bed sheets, put the wet bed sheet over you with fan blowing on you and that was the AC. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it. That will work to cool you down. Yes, yes. Um, other than that, I mean, my brother, he was old. He was closer to my age. So 
we learned to speak uh, Urdu, which is their language, mm-hmm. and we spoke it fluently at the time. Um, but it was a different culture, and for us, you know, it was much better as far as feeling more free and not being scared all the time. Yeah. Something is going to happen. You're going to get shot. You're going to get a bomb dropped that night. So the ease of you can kind of breathe now had started coming in where we started feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take for that ease to arrive? I know sometimes it can be a while before your system comes out of that high alert. Oh, for sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'll go on record and say, (laughs) I mean, I'll be honest. I, I, was I probably wet my bed till I was nine years old. Oh, <laughs> yeah, boy, that's that's a lot of anxiety. But she doesn't anymore. Oh, thank God, <laughs> you can testify. <laughs> yeah, I can testify to that. She's, thank she's you. Good. Very good. No, um, I remember when we came to the states, when we yeah. came to the United States, then it was like we were for sure safe. We don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore. Yeah. 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 And how old were you when you finally made it to the States? Um, I was about uh, nine years old when we made it to the States. And okay. first we came to California and we had cousins there. So we stayed with our cousins for a while to my parents get a job and be able to send our own two feet. So, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So if you look back on that journey, and you look at it from a spiritual perspective, what were the lessons that you felt like you were getting as you went along through that journey? Well, I would say one thing is resilience. Is If there's going to be some hardships, there's nothing that scares me. There's no hard thing or, uh, you know, catastrophe or whatever, even what's going on in the world today. It, it doesn't scare me. Um, I feel like I'm pretty prepped for something like that Um, and to work hard and be strong. I mean, it builds strength in the end is and also to see world the world with different eyes. And what I mean by that is in the United States, unfortunately, the younger generation or yeah, kids that have been born here haven't experienced any hardship like that. And they start not appreciating or being grateful for where they live and the liberty and freedom that they have. They see here in the United States, and you can't find it anywhere else in the world. I'm sure of this. Um, you're you're truly a sovereign being, and being a sovereign being is to be able to believe in the religion you want to believe in and practice it. Yes, own a business and be able to thrive in it. For women to have the same careers as men have or not, I mean, you get to choose. That's that's your sovereignty. That's your humanity. That's what God gave us. And the United States has that. Yeah, in abundance. Yes. Oh, for Great. sure. Great abundance. So how was it getting established in the U.S.? 
I suspect it's not not as easy as just saying we're here and we're going to establish ourselves. Yeah, chapter two. <laughs> chapter so, two. This turn is... the page. <laughs> the adventure continues. Chapter oh, two. You're yeah. now in the land of sovereignty. Exercising that is a trick. <laughs> yeah, now. Making the right choices is the trick. <laughs> yes. Discipline and making the right choices is definitely um, the, the, the trick. Well, okay, so there is a language curve, obviously. We didn't speak obviously. I remember I would sound things out trying to figure out what other kids are talking about. I had no idea. And there was other things, too, like the culture. I didn't understand any of that. There were some things, you know, there were some school songs everybody would sing and, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance. And I'm like, man, I have no What on earth is this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> and how come everybody knows it and I don't? <laughs> that that by itself is traumatic um but so my parents had to work full time and you know they i they would go to work from six in the morning and they wouldn't come home till nine or ten at night yeah, i was gonna say full time plus probably given what you can get with limited english yeah oh for sure for sure and so because we were in california the cost of living, just like through the roof. Yeah. yeah. So then they decided, let's go to Arizona. Um, not my favorite place. <laughs> I know that's where you're from, but I have. Been. It's where I'm at. It's where I'm moving where out from. of. So, you know, okay. we may have some common opinion. <laughs> so we moved to Arizona. My parents thinking, oh, it's a smaller place. It's better for family and so forth. Well, you know, I'm going to disagree and say no. Because the we lived in, um, it was Glendale area. So mm -hmm. it's pretty hoodlum. You got kids that are gang behavior, and it was and parents are not around, and you know your older brother is helping you raise the younger siblings, and that's just how it was. And the TV, yeah. pretty much. Um, so there was no supervision as far as my parents went, and so I started hanging out with the wrong crowds, and. Given because of what I went through and parents going to work, there was no um, attention coming to the kids from the parents that they could anyway. Whatever they could right. give. But, and then where the kids lack, they start acting out. Yeah. So that's what I was doing. I got into um, hanging out with the wrong crowds. They used to, my nickname growing up was Baggy. Because I wore baggy clothes. Okay. <laughs> that should give you a visual <laughs> of the type of people that I hung out with. Um, and I started smoking at a very young age, about 12 years old. Um, got into drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. So not the best. Um, choices. Not the best choices, that's for sure. Yeah, well, and not an uncommon set of choices, really. Uh, but what is a little uncommon is making that pivot to put them in the rearview mirror. So how did that come about for you? How did you decide to change your direction? Yeah, so I, yeah, how do I, did it, I got, I got to the lows of, okay, well, as as being as bad as I was, I guess, with the bad habits and this and that, I've always had 
a um, somewhat, I don't know if you want to call it spiritual connection, wanting to have a relationship or connection with God. And, and all of the things that I was doing was basically crying out for that too. Eventually I learned. But what happened was I got to my lowest of lows and I was, I know, I mean, I, I was going to basically die if I didn't remove myself from where I was. What what was that lowest of lows? What did your rock bottom look like? Oh, I was doing uh, a lot of drugs. I wasn't, um, I would wake up, do drugs until I fell asleep and passed out, get up and do it all over again. And I remember that I knew because you get to a point when you're that low, you get to a point where you know. You know, if you keep doing this, you're, you're not going to last much longer. I went down to 103 pounds. Wow. I wasn't eating and I was just, I, all I would do was do drugs and smoke cigarettes. That was, that was pretty much it. And my parents, God love them, they, they didn't know what to do. And they couldn't do anything because they were never there to discipline me to begin with. So where right. are they going to tell me now? Yeah. <laughs> so I remember telling them, I said, I need to leave. And I told him, just take me to my cousin's house, which she lived in California, and just, I need to go live with her for a while. I need a totally different environment. And yeah, I need to just remove myself. And they kind of looked at me like, what are we going to tell her? And how do you know she's going to accept it? I said, no, it's going to happen. We need to go. Yeah. <laughs> they took me and then... They dropped, they dropped me off there. And I remember they were, they were after they visited them for a couple of days and I was staying, my parents got in the car and they're leaving. And my cousin's like, well, why are you leaving her here? <laughs> <laughs> and Because uh, Arizona's not good for her. <laughs> Yeah, and my mom said, well, um, I think she needs to stay with you for a while. And God love her. She said, she said, okay. And she took me in. There. There's your grace right there. And how was it making that change? Because you're what you're describing to me is someone who's probably quite physically addicted at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry, <laughs> I didn't think that would get me, but I guess it did. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, it was very uh, sweet of her to do, and and I was I I my addiction to substance is ex was extreme because without it, because of the fact that I started at such a young age, I did not know how to be without it. My greatest wish um, during this, you know, cleaning up was I wanted to be able to experience a life where I didn't need anything to feel okay, to feel right. Complete, right. I just wanted to be able to sit on the couch and feel perfectly okay without anything from the outside. And I didn't know such a thing was possible because of... Um, because of the fact that I started at such a young age. And anyone who's addicted to a substance, they know what I'm talking about. It's like you don't you don't exist beyond that addiction. That addiction helps you exist. Which is it's it's a pretty um 
rough, really rough place to be in. So the first uh, cleanup step was being at her, being with her. And I got to experience and see a completely different life. It was brand new, it was fresh, it was much brighter, it was happier. I went to work with her, I saw different things. I was young, I was probably, I was 18, 19 years old. Um, I even uh, stopped smoking for, you know, it didn't last long, but for a few months and, you know, so forth. Um, So I got to see a whole nother life and I said, okay, you know, it's possible. I can do this. There is something else and it could be for me. Right. There could be totally be something else. And then I started opening up to ideas of, oh, okay, well, maybe there is, um, I can get married and I can have a normal life and I can, you know, and so forth. So from there, it goes into the whole, uh, the getting married to the wrong person. (laughs) Yeah, well, I have to own that mistake myself. (laughs) I, I just got to say, she's not talking about me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're still all. farther down the road. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still a journey away. I'm chapter three, <laughs> four, five, six, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So what did you hold on to as you went through that detoxing that you were going through? Oh, I held on to... Um, the same, it's that it was the driving force of this God, um, feeling that I was searching for or wanting. Um, it was that it's, it's the, it's a whole idea behind, I, I want to, um, what is it called? Um, to be able to live the life in which I was created for. That's what it all came, came, comes down to. I love that. And I'm going to put a pin in this right here because it's time for us to go to our second break already. Uh, but I want to explore that concept more when we return. Uh, and listeners, I'd love you to grab your pen and paper and spend some time around thinking about the things that pull you forward in your difficult moments. What are those things for you? Is it that connection to the divine? Is it the welfare of your children? Is it that you you feel like you have something that you're to bring to this world? What is it that pulls you forward? And just acknowledge that what that is and hang with us. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827. And let me know, how has the show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That number, 520-261-6827. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's crucial in informing where I take the show next. Thank you, and go out and live soul first. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device. 
including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renee Morales, and I'm back with Bursaba and James Arthur Ray. And before break, Bursaba had shared with us that the thing that pulled her through her addiction was this desire to have that personal connection to the divine, to, to live into what that connection meant for her. So tell me how you kept that front and center as you were moving forward through this, because it's an easy thing to make as a general statement, and it's a harder thing when you're in the middle of an addictive moment and and temptation is sitting there in front of you. Sure. Um, I would say the most, the thing that always pulled me towards cleaning up or wanting to clean up was this a feeling of wanting to experience a life that wasn't attached to addiction. I just really wanted to experience that. And I wanted it so bad. And that's what pulled me through. Um, it, and in the end, when I did finally, you know, do what I needed to do to do those things, but that's what kept pulling me. And my interest in that there is more to this life, that there is a higher power. And I wanted to know those things. And I knew as long as I have these addictions, two substances, I am never going to know that. Yeah. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't live. I, I, it would be a life regretted for sure if I didn't clean up. Very good. And you also mentioned that you have a husband. <laughs> <laughs> What were some of the lessons that you took out of that relationship? Because as much as we may regret some of the relationship mistakes that we made early on in our lives, there's always great learning that goes with that. Yeah. Ooh, um, with that one. <laughs> I think it's important. You, you were still smoking and drinking. Oh, for in, in yes, that I relationship. Was. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So, okay. So a little bit of a backstory, me in relationships was that when I would get in a relationship, I didn't want to be in a relationship with somebody who smoked, let alone drink, because right. I wanted to eventually clean up and I didn't want to have that in the partner. So what happened, this person happened to be Persian and they happened to have the same religious background and they were friends of the family, all the dots, you know. Yeah, it looked that, like it should be a good choice. Yes. Right. I'm like, oh, this this will be good, you know. And But he smoked mm-hmm. and he drank. And I didn't like the fact that he drank because I, I yeah, I didn't, I, that's not what I wanted to do. And I said, okay, you know, it's all, all, um, all compromise. I'll, you know, I'll go with this. And I knew from the beginning it was wrong. So for the listeners, if you have a feeling it's wrong, it's probably wrong. Don't do it. <laughs> yes, listen to that little feeling that you have. <laughs> yes, it's it's very easy that. to say, but it's much harder to respect, especially when you're dealing in a situation where perhaps there's some some family or some cultural pressure around it. Right. Yeah. Uh, even even if there's guests at the wedding. Yeah. If you feel like it's wrong. Just let it go. Just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> I, I know the night before I married my husband, it was like I should just walk away from all of this. And I I didn't do it. <laughs> See? Yeah, same year, same day. My dad, my father, God love him, he came to me and he said, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. And I looked at him. I'm like, no, I got to do it. <laughs> and I should yeah. Anyway, Um Unfortunately, that relationship, yeah, it went south in a lot of ways. He was verbally abusive at first. Mm-hmm. Then he became physically abusive. Mm-hmm. And the tendency, I would say, well, from, a, from a woman's point of view, or anybody actually, I would think, is that I thought, okay, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. You know, the first time that he hit me, I thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe I did do something to deserve it. Yeah. Right. So let me fix it. So for five years, I tried to fix it. And the last time that he hit me, I said, I just had enough and I couldn't take it anymore. And it was that very same thing where I was sitting there thinking to myself, what am I, this is no life. And I'm what, I'm going to die here, you know, being confined and being verbally abused and physically abused. And so I finally got the courage. I called my parents and my father again <laughs> said, you, then you should, you should cheer that you were in Belgium. Oh, I was in California. Belgium. Yeah. So I'm oh, on- wow. So you were isolated from your family, too. Way away. That, that's another manipulator ploy right there. Let's let's get you separated as far as you can. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't speak the language there either. I learned mm-hmm. how to speak Dutch. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was in Belgium. So I called my parents and my father, you know, got on the phone and he's like, you need to leave right now. And I'm yeah. like, okay, going to do it. Hung up, left came back to the States and I started, and I, you know, you don't want to come back. You know, I was in my mid thirties and I had to come back to my parents' place again and start all over and figure out what I'm, especially I have to literally start over. I have to get a private license. I have to, you know, do all the paperwork to be back in the United States. I mean, it was a mess. And, you know, I got to a point where I was asking myself, you know, what am I doing 
that I'm a, that these people or these individuals, I'm attracting these type of people to myself. What choice, what is it that I am doing that these circumstances in my life are the way they are? Yeah. And that's a good question to ask the universe. Yeah. Because, because it'll answer whatever question you put to it. That's a good one. Yeah. And what happened was, um, then I met him. <laughs> like, well, I'll tell you what the answer is. Here you go. <laughs> you need to keep better company. <laughs> Yes, no, that's for sure. 100% is the company you keep. And also it's taking responsibility for the actions that you have taken. Yes. Because up until you do that, then you're either in victim mode. And when you're in victim mode, you can't change anything. You know, exactly. You, you have no response ability yeah. when you're in victim mode right. because everybody else has the control. Yeah, exactly. So I did that and through his, um, you know, I was attracted to him because of his teachings and because he's real. It, it wasn't some, you know, thing that he would say on stage and then off stage or something. He does something different. Yeah. So he walked his talk and it was things that I was interested in, that I've been searching for, that I wanted to connect. And how do I connect? And he had the house. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> the practical how to do it. And I thought, score. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he 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 was, you know, this is yeah, this is probably the second one I get choked up about is that he literally saved my life. And he really did. He brought he brought me back to life. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. That's yeah, beautiful. The work that we've done th that he's helped me to get through has helped me reach that ultimate intention that I've always been going after for in my life. And that was, can I live a completely new life without any attachment that binds me to my past? Mm. And I got it. And it's, I mean, it's, I, I can't tell, if I could tell anyone listening who hasn't, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> See, you you're choking him up now too. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if anyone who has anything, if, if you've been abused in your, in your past, physically, sexually, if you've had drug addiction, um, alcohol, anything, any substance, something that you feel like, you know what, I am ruined and I will never be able to experience a, a different or a, a something new in uh, of a life. And I'm here to tell you, yes, you can. And you're not ruined. No, it's, no. It, it's it, you, I mean, if you do the work, the healing work, and you keep at it. It's hard work. I'm not going to say it's easy because it wasn't. I mean, he literally went to, through hell with me. Yeah. The demons, yeah. there was no substances around. The demons came out. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a reason for the addiction, right? It serves you in some capacity. Exactly. And when you take it away, you have to deal with what you've been avoiding. 
Right. All, all the things that are suppressed uh, are no longer being suppressed. Right. And so they, they come forward. Yeah. So all the stuff we talked about through the childhood traumas were being suppressed. And the effect of the suppression was the uh, cigarettes, drugs, and alcohol. Yeah. So once you take that away, well, now you got to deal with it. Now you got to clean it up. Now you got to go through it. Now you got to change it. And that's that's what we did. And it's 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 a lot of work. It was a lot of work. I do not want to do it again. But I promise you. It was worth it. It was so worth it. So worth it. And, and so, me too. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> there, there were times when I, you know, and, and as much as she said, and sorry to hijack here, but I just got to no, interject. As much as she said that I, I saved her life, she did the same for me. See, now I'm... Yeah. Um, because I I was not well known for being real patient. True. And I was not I was not the poster boy for great relationships. True. Uh, because I was I was very much about my own life and my own mission and my own thing, and and I wasn't mean and I wasn't I wasn't disrespectful. I was just like you were just focused on your man deal. On a mission, yeah, man on a yeah. mission. And here's some drama, and it's going to distract, and I'm not going to deal with it. Yeah. And so there was a lot of times um, throughout that the, doesn't make the drama any less. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, because whatever you run from chases you. And yeah. Um, but during those five years, yeah. I guess it was. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of times when I thought I man, I'm just I just can't do this. And But he did. But I did. <laughs> and I'm I'm yeah. great. Yeah. So now I'll give it back to you. No, I'm great. Okay. Well, we're getting down to our last couple of minutes here. So I'd like to invite you to share a little bit about how your work now is coming out in the world, Bersava. And uh, I believe you brought a gift with you also. So, yes. Um, so what, what I do now is intuitive healing work. And what that is, is basically we, uh, I help individuals with their traumas or unresolved emotional issues. And we go back and heal them just like I've done for myself. Um, I do that for others too. And what we've, uh, what we practice is a well-rounded living, uh, and experiencing life, which is called harmonic wealth. And we want to give your viewers a gift of uh, James's New York Times bestselling book, Harmonic Wealth. Just go to Harmonic Wealth Global forward slash book and you can have a free ebook. Beautiful. I love that. Um, and in our last 30 seconds here, what would be your parting words of wisdom for someone who's who's right now struggling? They've hit that rock bottom, what their whatever their rock bottom is. I would say if you've hit rock bottom, it's a good place to start building a brand new foundation to stand on and to just keep going. You know, it's it's the resilience and the hard work every single day consistently is what it will get you to where you want to get. And you've reached that rock bottom for a reason because there's something much better for you out there. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank you both for joining me today. I've really enjoyed our conversations. Thank you, us too. Thanks Thank you for having us. us. Keep doing great work.
Thank you. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us here today. I would love to hear from you. Whatever is on your mind or your heart, you can drop me a quick email at askzofia, A-S-K-Z-O-F-I-A at transformationspace.co. And until next week, go out and live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week right here 